I found myself hunting the truth, but finding the unexpected. I found what my senses couldn't show me. I found the truth that relays silently in the unknown. Since childhood, I always talked to animals, plants, and insects, and even though I never got a response, I never quit. If you're hearing this, maybe it's because you're looking for the answers. Maybe you can see things that others can't, or you can feel what others avoid. You can listen to the silence and become one. I, I can't stop it. I can't control it. I see the black shadows everywhere. The blood, the messages, the screaming, all the pain. I can't figure I, out I, why I this is vision. happening to I'm me. I'm still breathing with fear. I feel at war with my own mind. One of the shadows came down from the sky. I thought it was an angel. Its name is Remer, Prince of Darkness from the Fifth Reality. It talked to me. We are born to feed from fear me all and the, the uncontrolled illness. It told of human me that mind. I was the key to we its existence. We are visible to them, but our existence the metamorphosis every was painful to watch. After the terrible the screaming, the Kamalas called down and started to cry. I dream of thousands it of felt black like cats the surrounding my house. After a few Big minutes, yellow the eyes end of vibration staring at my sleep. When both ends of opposites are the same degree, resides in third and fourth reality, death. Hello and welcome to another edition of Thoughts from Player One, the podcast where we take an in-depth look at one story or narrative focus game and give our thoughts about it. As always, I'm Alex. Boo! Oh, oh that one clipped. Hold on. <laughs> boo! I think the no. boos are allowed to clip. Boo! That's a perfect boo. <laughs> anyway, this week we talked about Fran But wait, do you want to introduce yourself? You didn't do that. I'm the ghost. <laughs> I'm Duncan. I'm Duncan. You know me. Oh, we always have such such interesting times with these Halloween episodes. Anyway, this week we played Fran Bow. Fran Bow was released uh, back August 27th of 2015. It was developed by Kill Monday Games. It is out currently for Windows, Mac, Linux, and iOS, and it is about $15. Um, Duncan, do you want to tell us a little bit about what Franbo is? Yeah, let me give you the uh, uh, scary elevator pitch, the, the, the sort of uh, elevator that you go into when you go deep, deep down into the, the mire and the tomb. Mm. Am I staying with the brand? There's doing Halloween, there's something right? there. Yeah, this is this is a Halloween episode. Halloween I think feels broken. Halloween feels busted this year. Yeah, I I think hmm. we can save Halloween. Um, us Franbo, we save Halloween. Hold on, we get to save <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> Are there any Disney movies where kids save Halloween? I mean, there's uh, the Halloween Town one, right? No, they don't save Halloween in that one. There's they save a Christmas town and by proxy save Halloween because Halloween was trying to become Christmas. What? That yeah, happens? No, not Halloween Town. The oh, movie that Nightmare has a Halloween Christmas. Town. In yes, oh, that's the one. Okay. Well, no, see, there's a Disney original movie called Halloween Town, and that's mm. where you got fucked up. That's Hey, um, you know what? That's not my fault. That's on <laughs> Disney. Keep your properties fucking separate, Disney. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and that one... Wait, are we talking about Halloween Town or Franbo? Hold on. <laughs> wait, I lost. <laughs> what did I do for seven hours? <laughs> I, I don't know about you. I just watched Nightmare Before Christmas on repeat, so... Okay, cool. Um, 
And then you went to Hot Topic. Um, so Franpo <laughs> no, is... No, no, <laughs> I said it. I said it. I willed it into reality. Please don't. <laughs> Alex, Alex loves sitting on his, his computer chair, and he's got his high Nightmare Before Christmas socks that go all the way up to his knee. <laughs> Which one? Are you wearing the Sally or the Jack Skellington? One on each leg. Come on. <laughs> obviously. You think I'm going to separate them like that, Duncan? We've saved Halloween. We've okay. saved Halloween. <laughs> so Fredbo Ruined is... our podcast, but saved Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Fredbo is a horror uh, point-and-click adventure game where you play as a little girl named Fran. She's about uh, eight, ten years old. I think ten. Yeah, ten years old. Ten. Ten and... or eleven? Nah, ten. She turns eleven in the middle of the game. Mm. Oh, shit, I spoiled it. Oh. Um, so uh, Fran is sort of a dark... Uh, psychological horror game if you couldn't tell by the Hallow's Eve themes but it is not like a horror horror game I'd say it's more on the disturbing side of things rather than like jump scares and frights and things like mm-hmm. that they're 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 interlaced throughout there so if that's not really your thing for the jump scares and whatnot that this is a good Halloween game for you um again it is a point and click adventure game though so there are a lot of puzzles and trying you know one object on another and uh putting the key on this door and trying everything like that um Mm -hmm. but the themes are very very alice in wonderland uh very kind of uh storybook drawn uh yeah i want to say up front um just because we probably should mention this like hey you know quick trigger warning for like horrible childhood trauma because that's what this game is about and like coping with horrible childhood trauma so just be aware of that going into it. You did say the themes are very Alice in Wonderland. The themes aren't really very Alice in Wonderland. You're right. But the, the set framing is, is very Alice in Wonderland. You're totally right. Yeah, the the themes are much more centered around like like Alex had said, uh, childhood traumas and a lot of ideas about you know it, it spans pretty far. It, yeah. it goes over a lot of different things we'll cover, and I don't want to spoil them quite yet. So that's what you're looking at at a at, at a glance. Um, very very charming piece of art. Uh let's let's give our spoiler free thoughts about it so you can hear what us uh uh, uh pumpkin boys think about this title. Um Alex, do you want to start? Yeah, sorry. I needed a second to process that we were just dubbed the pumpkin boys, but that's fine. <laughs> um, I'll I'll start. So I actually I want to <clears throat> I want to start this by saying kind of what was working maybe against this game going into it, um, because I was thinking about that a lot on the, the drive home from work today, like the, the kind of bias that I brought into this game, right? Because uh, it, like Duncan had said, it's a point-and-click adventure game, and if you listen to the podcast, you'll probably know I'm not like a huge fan of point-and-click adventure games. I have you know issues with some design philosophy in a lot of them, and then I, I just typically don't enjoy them that much. Uh, it's also a game focused on a 10-year-old girl, and I have like really... I I get very specific about how children are written in a lot of media because they are often like overly precious or like overly prescient and like know too much like there's there's just a lot of tropes that people tend to fall into um so like I I kind of uh, critical eye is the wrong word so I'm not going to say that but like I I come with a lot of preconceived bias against like oh they they're going to be poorly written kids um and then also just like you know to pull back the curtain, we kind of chose this game at the 11th hour. Like, it's a game we had been talking about playing for a while for the podcast, but it's just there was kind of a 
uh, not a huge wealth of horror games that seemed really interesting to us this year. So I came into this game, I think, with like a little bit of a, a bias against it to to start, which is unfair. But, you know, hey, at least I acknowledge that. Um, so I, sure. I think the first half of the game didn't necessarily work for me. It's kind of broken up into five chapters. I think chapter one, I didn't like that much. Chapter two, I like parts of it. Um, chapter three was really about the time that the game started working for me. And I think chapter three, four, and five, I ended up actually enjoying quite a bit. Um, so the more I sit with this game, the more I enjoy it. I think it's like, I, I adore the art style. I think it's a great art style. I think it, you know, the puzzle mechanics, I think, get better throughout the game and end up actually being kind of fun and interesting. And the writing, I think, um, didn't bother me like the the way that they write fran at first kind of bothered me but the more that i bought into what the game was doing the less it bothered me so i think i walked away from the game positively overall but i think it took like three hours of that seven hour journey for me to actually end up getting to that point that's fair i i i really like that you brought to the table like your possible biases about it because i knew when we decided to pick a game, we were looking at some different, uh, some different titles that probably would have been uh, more your scene as far as the genre goes of yeah, like, absolutely. you know, horror, uh, first person kind of thing and stuff like that. But I don't mind um, the point and click genre as much as we have probably, if you've listened to the podcast before, we are a hardcore advocate for point-and-click guides. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yep. if you get stuck, you just look at a guide, and I don't think there's any way around it. Um, uh, I mean, to to rope back around to what I'm thinking, though, um, I really, really enjoyed this game. Uh, I can see its faults. I can definitely see its problems. Mm-hmm. But when what I've come to notice when I do this pod the longer I've been doing this podcast and the longer I've been playing these games and finishing them is when and we'll take Dropsy for example because it's also a point and click adventure game Mm -hmm. I don't remember anything about Dropsy that I like hated from a point of like ah this this kind of sucked I mean I remember there were bad point and click mechanics but you know I only remember the things that I enjoy from it and mm-hmm. I think that's exactly what's going to come out of this and like for example I feel the same that you did with chapter one and two and I feel like when I leave it and I spend like a month away from it I'll ho- hardly remember those scenes because it's not going to stick with me and I've been wrestling whether that makes it a bad game or a good game because it you know not really good or bad but what that says about the quality because you know what I take away from these games is most important, like what sticks with me, but also the time spent enjoying it is important too. So I think there's a lot of good thoughts there of like what is important to me and, you know, what may be important to you. But overall, I think the game as a package brought me a lot of joy with its charm and the ideas that it presents and some of the, um the the way it ropes back around to different ways of thinking about things like we'll get into again the you know there's themes about mental health there's things about dying and love and um uh, just a lot of things to explore that the creators clearly had like a set thought about and just all of the the writing to me I like the sort of 
rhythmic way they talk and the sort of kind of rhyming scheme they do uh, in a weird way sometimes. It's mm-hmm. very, like I said, it's very Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. It's like framing and, you know, like you can go here, but it's also nowhere and nowhere is here and nowhere is there. Mm-hmm. And I'm just making stuff up, but I love that kind of stuff. And I feel like I haven't seen anything like that in a long time. So I'm happy to consume some stuff that, that has that style. Yeah, uh, I was think really it, long, but no, yeah. I, I totally get what you're saying there, and I think especially at the end, like that when you were talking about like that that style of writing, and again, uh, we're I'm going to use Alice in Wonderland as a continual touchstone, not because it's the only thing that does it, but because it's the most popular thing that does it, and I think they do pull directly from it a couple of times. Um, but you know, when they nail that balance, I think it works really well. I think part of the reason that maybe you and I didn't like Chapter One and Two as much is. It's less of that and more of like, hey, look at this fucked up insane asylum you're in. You take this pill and now there's like bloody writing on the walls. And I'm like, okay, well, this is just every bad horror game ever. Um, But then it kind of gets away from that and and still kind of retains a creepy atmosphere. And that's when it starts to to work a little bit more. Yeah. And I think, see, the thing, and and I think this is still spoiler-free conversation, and I... I think about this idea more and more, and I think it's true the more I've been playing these games and and thinking about what draws people in is like, uh, I think the trailer presenting that and, and that being the first chapter, and I mean, there was a demo for this game and it was just the first chapter. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the times that's what people think they want until they get in there and then realize that all this other stuff is so very charming. But I think it's almost like a bait to get you deeper into the story because, you know, creepy blood asylum is very in, you know what I mean? It's mm. a very popular horror horror and, setting. And to be fair, it is also extremely integral to the story they're telling. So it's not like they could just slice that off and the story would still make a lot of sense. But yeah, right. I, I, I definitely... I I do wonder if that's a a thing that developers are con, you know consciously doing me like well we'll kind of trick people into thinking this is what they want and then when they're bought in we'll show them what it really is which is where it excels and then they'll be bought in by that point anyway. Sure and and like you said it is very integral to the story so this game I felt less of it more than other games but I definitely got a sense of like this felt necessary to pull a couple folks in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, and I don't hate it as much in retrospect as I did in the... And hate's even a strong word. I, I Yeah. I, we'll talk a lot about Chapter 1 going forward, I think. Um, yeah. So I don't really uh, want to spend any more time talking about it spoiler-free. But yeah, those are our spoiler-free thoughts. So hey, the game's relatively cheap. It's cool. It's charming. Go check it out. It, it's only... It's about... I think... I don't know if we said this. It was about seven hours or so. Maybe a little under. But again, Duncan and I both used a guide You know, at any point when we got stuck. So, yeah, and and to say just just as a as a last thing before I say anything else uh, or before I move to from the spoiler free is that a lot of these mechanical puzzles were not difficult. Like they, totally, yeah, a lot of them were. Like some of them were, but a lot of them I could figure out on my own or were satisfying to solve. So yeah, you know, if again you're shied away from the point and click adventure game, it is not as confusing as some other ones, and we'll definitely get into that later. But I just yeah. want to give you that use as like a. Wait, 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 don't go, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yes, have a guide uh, but... handy in case you need it, but actually try to figure things out on your own because I think there were only two or three instances where I really needed the guide in order to get through. 
So we're moving on to our spoiler section of this podcast. A boo, a boo. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Um, when you hear the boo, that means it's time for the spoils. Uh, we are going to step by the story a little bit through kind of each chapter and then discuss it a little bit. Uh, so it'll give you a little bit of a refresher if you've already played the game or to get you up to speed if you have not. So, um. <laughs> Who who should start? Do you do you want me? To... I I think you should start because I'm really into the idea that you might just pepper Shakespearean language throughout for no apparent reason. <laughs> Freneth Boeth. <laughs> Chapter one starts with kind of a a brief understanding of what happened to Fran. Um, she was uh, you know your typical ten year old girl, uh, and she had a cat named Mister Midnight. Uh, she loved the cat very much, and, you know, she had a good standing with her parents. But then one night she had a, she kind of heard a noise and looked out a window, and there was this horrible, like, goat skull masked creature that uh, sort of woke her up and brought her upstairs to witness uh, her parents, like, sliced into, like, perfect thin sort of slices, which is disturbing uh and so she kind of she runs away from the scene in fear and trips in the forest and she gets picked up by these uh mysterious figures so the actual game starts with her in the asylum um where she is talking to a uh a, a, a physician named dr dern um and he is trying to give her some pills and sort of trying to talk to her and she clearly is unhappy with with the situation she wants to leave she wants to go uh see her aunt who is um who's you know surviving in her life pretty much just the cat and and her aunt um Mm -hmm. so uh dr dern gives her this pill and when she takes the pill uh she sees this horrible like blood-covered asylum room and freaks out a bit and then passes out uh and she wakes up in the uh in one of the rooms for uh for the asylum children uh so she passes out and uh she kind of just quickly decides after looking out of window like hey this is my escape and i need to get out uh so this is where the actual like point and click adventure game comes in we're not gonna like break down all the puzzles and the stuff i'm just going to kind of say hey you know you do all of the puzzles uh but i will say throughout the um we should talk about this kind of stuff that happens while you're going through some of these rooms and what you see because you meet a lot of these characters and one of the main mechanics of the game is you steal these pills you get those pills that you took uh back and you take these pills and you can see kind of a different reality or different vision or something along those lines it's not Mm -hmm. very clearly drawn out and at this point so but it is like a it mechanically in game it is like a toggle between these two different realities Yes. Uh, so as you toggle between the realities, you see these dark creatures that are um, surrounded by the mentally uh, ill children who 
the, the, the sort of shadow creatures are portrayed as their uh, traumas. So, like, you run into shadows that are talking about uh, sexual abuse of the children or just, like, uh, physical abuse or, or different sorts of mental abuses or, or, or issues uh, throughout. So it's um, it's very clear that these shadows are um, are part of that. So as you go through the asylum, you find um, the exit for it, uh, and as you leave, you get can uh, you get a conflict with this shadow creature the same one that you saw the night your parents died named remmer um he he shows up a lot throughout the game we probably won't reference him again till for a while but he uh is like he basically tells you there's no escape and you'll always come back here and you know mm-hmm. suffering is inevitable that that kind of stuff and and she escapes from him and i believe that's the end of chapter one i think so yeah yeah um so Going through this, we we mentioned that we weren't huge fans of Chapter 1. Can you tell me a couple things that you pulled from this that you weren't so hot on? What was your initial impressions? Let's go. Yeah, uh, so Chapter 1, like we had alluded to up top, I think my main problem with it was that it kind of let... it it portrayed the game as something that it wasn't going to end up being, right? Uh, so my main concerns going through Chapter 1 were it's just, just going to be a bunch of overdone tropes that aren't that interesting. Um, these, you know, these characters aren't characters at this point, right? Like, Fran is the only one who has any consistent amount of dialogue. Um, and I was also really concerned that it was, you know, I didn't know anything about this game or what it was going to do or the people who made it or anything like that. So I was concerned that it was going to handle the mental health aspect of this poorly um, in terms of just, like, falling into a bunch of harmful tropes and like, not having anything really interesting to say about mental health or the way that people cope with it. Uh, So I was, you know, a lot of that was coloring my enjoyment of the first chapter. And um, on top of that, I also just think this is maybe when the puzzles in the game are the least interesting. Um, I I tended Hmm. to, you know, this was the first time I had to use a guide was in this chapter because, again, this is kind of a recurring theme for me when I play these games is I just didn't realize there was a thing I could click on that I needed to click on. Um, and that's always frustrating with this type of game. Um, so I, I, I don't, there was not like a lot that I can point to outside of that. That's like, this was done poorly or anything like that. I just didn't, nothing at this point was drawing me in. It didn't grasp you. Yeah. Nothing, nothing grasped me. Like, like everything was just kind of like, oh, this is going to be okay. And at this point again, like Fran's dialogue was still, you know, she's a little standoffish. She didn't like. I didn't care about her as a character yet at this point. So when the, the like mystical, fantastical things start happening later on in the story, that's when I started to become more engaged. But at this point, it was like, well, it's not really that scary. Like there's some disturbing imagery um, and obviously disturbing themes going on, but it wasn't scary and it wasn't engaging at this point. So I was kind of like, well, I wasn't bought in for the ride at that point personally. Sure. I will definitely give you that point that 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 I was not bought in either in the way where I didn't think what they were doing was interesting yet um in defense of chapter 1 I will say that I really quite like this game's art style and even though you know the the Im- even the imagery was was very tropey I think a lot of the designs of the characters brought me a lot of joy and i think some of the children are drawn in such a way that is is kind of 
I don't know. It, it, it sets the setting really well to say, here's the style we're going for. And I think stylistically it still worked for me. And the France personality is interesting. And I want to dig deeper into it later once we know a little bit more of and discuss a little bit more. Yeah. But I think it kind of kept me on a rope in a weird way where Hmm. I think the premise, the initial premise of what are these pills? What are they doing to her and her personality is what it it's interesting because it drove me, but it didn't grasp me. Does that make sense? Like chapter one wanted me to see the rest through, but it didn't really engage me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, Made you want to see what happens next in the hope that what happens next was something you liked and wanted to see through for its own merits. Exactly. Exactly. So I think, I think that's the bigger, uh, the bigger thing I wanted to say about that chapter. Also, I really do love the, uh, the, you know, again, we, like we said, this is not a scary, scary game. Like I was not, wanting to turn the game off because i was i was terrified it was more of like a ooh i love how uh, bone chilling this is you know that kind of stuff <laughs> so i i love the just large mass of black shadow with a goat skull on it there's yeah. something about that art style and that design that's so simple and and lovable uh for me it's it's yeah. right up my alley <laughs> lovable is a word for it <laughs> oh, I love that. I think it's so fucking adorbs. I, I like it. I like it. I would not call the design of this horrible goat demon from hell lovable, but I do like it. Very um, lovable. <laughs> we and we do kind of get uh like a drip feed of story here, um, which was kind of engaging to me, right? You get like well, first off, everybody at the the mental institution fucking sucks. They hate children. It sucks. Um, yes, that was like you know, and like obviously that's what you would come to expect, right? Because if it was just a bunch of people who were like loving and really caring, you would lose kind of the like tense edge to everything. Um, so that makes sense. And but also it's just like oh, God, you all suck. Get new jobs. Every one of you sucks. You hate your jobs. You're making life terrible for kids. Um, but you do. You get like. And I forget exactly what it is, but you do get an instance where you sneak into an area you're not supposed to be uh, and read that maybe like what these pills are doing to you is not necessarily what the doctor who prescribed them initially thought they were going to do. And maybe that they have been swapped out with other pills um, that are not the same thing, but look kind of similar. So there is a little Mm -hmm. bit of intrigue brought in here um, immediately at the start that that does make me kind of curious as to where the story was going so i shouldn't say i was completely not bought in at that point but yeah i i think the way the way that we agreed it was was pretty good is like mm-hmm. it it kept you on a carrot and a stick but the setting on the way to the carrot is not perfect when we start yeah and i again I also think the puzzles in, in the first chapter were not particularly engaging. Well, but you drug a guard, which was cool. You, you do drug a guard, but I fucked up drugging the guard in two different ways. So Hey, me and, too. Okay, me no, too. Also, it's okay. You don't drug a guard if you fuck up. You throw a cup of coffee at a guard's face, <laughs> which <laughs> it was, seemed like a very drastic reaction from what I thought was going to happen when I used coffee on guard. All right. Here's Duncan's Gaming Corner. Duncan and Alex's Gaming Corner. You try to give the guard the sleepy pill, but he won't take it. 
then you put it in a cinnamon bun and he doesn't want it. What the hell is this point and click game? <laughs> so you go downstairs and you see this stupid nurse and she says that she needs to bring the coffee to the guard. So you try and grab the coffee and you try and put the pill in the coffee, but it don't let you. Your voice changed so dramatically from the beginning to the end of that rant. <laughs> um, yeah, that was my, my, my point-and-click adventure YouTube gaming rant. Ah, we should really do YouTube gaming rants. It seems oh like such God. a blast. You can just say whatever the fuck you want and put a picture of you acting crazy on front of it and title it something like The Real Truth About Fran Bow. And you the get problem with Fran clicks. Bow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's... That sums up a lot of how I felt about chapter one. I'm over it. Let's go. Okay, let's move on to chapter two. So, um, I can take this one. So you, you know, Fran escapes from the asylum after, uh, again, that brief confrontation with Remmer, um, which I'm hoping is how that's pronounced. I don't actually know. Um, sure. You go through, you are following, uh, trying to find your cat, Mr. Midnight, who, you know, is the primary motivation for you leaving the asylum. So you follow kind of this, like, toy figurine of a cat on a unicycle that leads you through a maze to to get kind of deeper into the forest um and as you get into the forest and, and continue to follow this thing you you get to an area where you start to meet a new cast of characters um which is kind of chapter two act one because i think this is split up into two different acts so you meet you know um uh a, this is kind of where the game starts to get fantastical because in the the part of the game where you have not taken the uh, I think it's called duotine is the drug that you're taking mm -hmm. you meet um Antonio a great aunt who is just a very large ant person <laughs> which is like oh I'm not on drugs right now so interesting that there's just a very large ant person um so you you know you work with him to try and you know, solve a series of puzzles and, and, you know, help out some some friendly ghosts you see and kind of figure out your way forward, which involves you, like, you know, going into his house and taking some things from a little, what looks like almost a birdhouse that he has in his house, which just has a bunch of living pine cone creatures in it. The game starts to really say what it's doing here. Um, and eventually, <laughs> again, very, like, you know, weird Alice in Wonderland type vibes. You, you know, you end up solving the, the overarching puzzle of this area by you know, putting together a door by adding a handle, like gluing a handle onto a plank and then gluing that plank onto a stump and then opening it up to get like a door through the stump. Um, can I just say, can I just say real quick, the initial objective is so, is so bizarre and, and what made me really go, okay, yeah, this is going to be good because you have to, the, the, the possibility is that this beetle pig might have your cat inside of it so you're gonna mm -hmm. you're like okay well let's get it to throw it up and and tell you the great goes no 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 do not let him throw it up kill him for his meat and then your cat <laughs> will fall out and i will eat the meat because i am the great antonio and you go okay i'll kill the, i'll kill the beetle to get my cat and you kill the beetle and out goes a rat that was mentioned earlier and you go comb his hair and he's a happy rat <laughs> and that's it <laughs> it's no cat <laughs> and I just, that's the kind of shit I love because I yeah. mean, interlaced between there was some really cool uh, dialogue and some, some talking points uh, that did that kind of rhythmic uh, speaking of like, you can and can't go here kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but yeah, I, I love that. Anyways, I'm sorry. No, Let's you're see. good. A absolutely chime in with stuff like that. So yeah, that, that is kind of chapter two, act one, and then you fall into this, um, you know, tree stump 
uh, and you know take some pills, and you uh, end up waking up uh, in like kind of a like a dog bed in a large house. Um, and this this whole scene had some weird fucking vibes. Um, but you are in the house of this pair of conjoined twins that are not actually conjoined twins. Somebody just sewed two girls who were sisters together. Um, and they are essentially, you know, you, you find your cat is in the kind of upstairs attic of this house, but he's trapped in a cage. And you, you know, the whole objective here is to try to get your cat out of the cage with these conjoined twin sisters will only let him out and give you the key if you agree to you know find the ingredients and then cast a spell on them that spell would then separate them um and as you're going through this house kind of gathering these ingredients and looking at it you you find a window in the kitchen is opened by a very quickly appearing skeleton man who then leaves and you get to go out the window and talk to a frog who tells you that the frog has been trying to leave for a long time but has never been able to because whenever he gets far away he just ends up right back here uh, and and basically he tells you that the you know you should not be doing that recipe you should be doing a different spell on these two sisters trust him he knows what he's talking about and gives you a different list of ingredients and you kind of go through and then combine this different list of ingredients and trick these sisters into thinking that you are in fact going to cast one spell when in reality you're casting a completely different one um which <laughs> horrifyingly you cast a spell and it just essentially incinerates them down to ash um, which is not what I necessarily thought was going to happen at the beginning of that spell, but you know, and it does you go. like the it does like the 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 funny like kind of adventure game thing where you do something like horrible and miserable, and your character goes, "Oh, I I didn't want to do that," and they look kind of sad, and then they're done with that sad animation, and they go back to smiling and standing <laughs> <Yeah>. there, <laughs> which I love so much. Yep. Uh, so you you take the key off their body, and then try to rescue your cat with it, and it ends up leading you to, you know, opening a, a couple of different puzzles surrounding a mirror where you eventually get another key, and you are able to free and be reunited with Mr. Midnight, your cat, um, who speaks to you. I think this is kind of the reveal. They're like, oh yeah, your cat just talks human English to you, uh, and that's fun, and you have, like, I, I love the way Mr. Midnight talks throughout the entire game, and the way that Fran and Mr. Yes. Midnight both refer to each other as dear all the time. It's so sweet, and I love it a lot. Um, but the two of you decide you need to get out of there and go home so you can be back with your aunt where you then go out to, and, and I love th this fucking logic so much, you go out to this frog who's like, <laughs> I would love to swim you across this lake, but I can't do it because I'm a small frog, and you go, I got some baking powder which makes bread get big, have you tried that? And then you give the frog baking powder and it gets very large and carries you across the lake on its back, um, which is the end of chapter two. I will say that kind of logic... I go when when things started to get more fantastical, I expected it to become more broken logic like that where it's like use the balloon on the cat and you will fly very high, <laughs> but they don't they don't do that too much. Like they no. do it only when it just about makes sense. Um that that yeah. baking soda on the frog was very rare, but I had no but, clue. Did you figure that out? Yeah, I, I there was, it, I didn't look it up. It, he was like, I'm not big enough. And I opened up my inventory and said, I got baking powder. And when I examined it, it says makes muffins big. So I'm going to give uh. it to the frog immediately. <laughs> I must have been getting, uh, having a late sesh with this. And I was like, nope, <laughs> fuck this. I don't know what to do. <laughs> that's, that's fair. I, there was, there was, so there were a couple of things. Um, chapter two. Both parts one and two, again, are where the game started to turn around for me. Chapter three is really where it came full circle, and I started liking it a lot. But I, I, chapter two was 
has started to have the vibes that I really wanted the game to have. I think some of the puzzle mechanics here and there, like they kind of intersperse traditional puzzles into chapter two. Um, there's like a slide puzzle where you just, you know, slide around squares to make like a set of gears work. Um, I didn't find it like that particular puzzle too difficult, but I think one of the things about this style of game is if it's not designed to to have this puzzle, the mechanics of it just kind of get in the way, right? Because I don't like, you know, click, 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 click to move something like one square. And also it took me forever because I just couldn't figure out there's like large gears interspersed under these pieces, but they touch so many other pieces. It's impossible for me to tell like where up, you know, where a part of the slide puzzle needs to be in order to like interact with things. Right. And I think that type of mechanical um, inconsistency between these puzzles is really what made chapter two feel a little bit worse for me. It's just like, ah, they're, Whenever they introduce these other things, I think this is the time when it works the least um, and ended up kind of like pushing me away a little bit. Um, And then there were just a couple of like small puzzle elements. It's like I never would have figured that out without looking it up without a guide. But overall, I did enjoy this chapter quite a bit more than I enjoyed the first one. Yeah, I I agree with you on that one. And I I love a lot of the things that they start playing with with the sisters of saying you know, they were also on duotine and, Mm -hmm. you know, theirs were yellow and yours are red, which is weird. So again, it's kind of hinting at that. And, um, the, it's also important to mention that like when you pill out or in, I forget, I think when you pill in, um, by taking the pills, you're just sort of in a dirty well, no matter what room you're in. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and there's a baby and like, just on different sort of corpse there. And I, I think this is a good example of when the game starts to make you question and start to try and think while you're kind of walking around trying objects on objects and saying, okay, when I'm taking pills, am I looking at reality or am I not? Or mm. what is what are the pills doing to me in the context of the story? Because <clears throat> in chapter one, I thought it was pretty clear that saying, hey, um, you know, you take the pills to see the spooky stuff. Like that was kind of, the baseline that they gave you but as you go along in the more fantastical sections it the lines kind of blur and when you take the pills it's it's more reality and then sometimes it's not so i think they do a good job of keeping you constantly questioning on that stuff um i don't know if you felt like like you were kind of thinking about that a lot but but i knew that by the end we wouldn't get that answer but i liked speculating a lot on it um yeah, I mean, I I definitely was to an extent thinking about that, and I I would say um, I was thinking about that more later in the game, um, sure. like chapter you know three, four, five, than I was in chapter two. But I do think you bring a really interesting point there that like you know you go to just a well, right? You are in the weird other reality all the time, and you are just in a well where people have clearly died in that well. Um, yeah. it, it you could I mean you could make an argument that this is a point in the game where Franbo dies and everything after this is like you know the figment of her imagination or something like that. You could absolutely make that argument, but yeah, or that she was you know in a well the whole time. You know, there's there's a lot of things that you could pull away from this game in terms of like okay, well what are the like what are the multiple stories going on? What is the real story that is actually going on? Um, and I think I'll be interested to kind of see your take on it as much as yeah. I'm interested to kind of like talk through what I think about it. Um, but I, I do think you're, you're right. And thank you for mentioning that. Cause I completely would have forgot to mention that. And I think that's a hugely important part of this chapter. 
Yeah, I, I also got a, a full spook when you go upstairs and then take the pills to go in the well and you are on top of the well, like, yep. and then you fall down into the water. That was good. And um, you also learn that, like, these girls were not, like, they were not born like this. They were stitched yeah. together and, like, mm-hmm. they didn't like each other. And, like, I I, I don't know. There's, uh, there's, I, again, I was more, like you said, I was more sold on it than, uh, than than chapter one but uh chapter three really takes the cake i definitely it it feels like it would be worthwhile and i won't do this because i just know i won't but it feels like it would be worthwhile to revisit chapter one and the children and nurses and people that you talk to because it does feel like i mean i think this it, it feels like and maybe even is presented as such later in the game that like a lot of these characters you're meeting are or seem like fantastical versions of the children who are throughout the asylum that you're in. Again, kind of continuing to draw on the like Alice in Wonderland type vibes of like, hey, these are allegories for the people that you know in real life. Um, yeah. But I just don't remember those, like those characters didn't make enough of an impact on me for me to remember if that's actually what's going on here. Or I remember not. them pretty well. I don't think so, but I might be wrong. Okay, so... um through a just sort of like they 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 start to fly out or to sail out into the sea uh with the frog and then they fall somehow i don't really they, remember how they fall they make it they make it to like the other side of the river and then walk across a bridge right. and the bridge collapse or remor breaks the bridge and they fall yes good good thank you uh so they start falling and when they i think they just kind of like passed out as they were falling but you you get this scene and it's this beautiful green field with this you know fantasy castle in the back and mr midnight is there and he pushes some clothes off of a tree and there are fran's big eyes on a tree and she is turned into an actual tree this was my shit. I love <laughs> this from this exact scene. I was like, okay, I'm playing as a cat and Fran's a tree. I think I'm going to like this game from here on out. I think they found it. I think they found it for me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, so y- y- your cat just goes like, oh my God, Fran, you're a tree. And you're like, yeah, but I'm, I'm here. No, you, you're a tree, my dear. Uh, and, and then this airship comes down and this carrot and like a rutabaga start poking <laughs> you with spears and they're speaking a completely different language. And Fran is like terrified as these two vegetable spears are poking at her and they go, no, 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 hold on. I think they want to help her, uh, help you. So they they eventually kind of take her tree form on this airship and um, after getting Fran's purse, um, oh, that's right. You get the purse to show them the picture yeah, of, so. of Fran so they know mm. that she's a human, um, which begs the question, what did they think you were before and what were they going to do with this odd tree? I guess it's just like people from the other area. They, didn't they thought you were a tree person, which really makes it seem like they shouldn't have been mad at you because you're about to go somewhere chock full of tree people. Yeah, it's roots and vegetable people. Well, I mean, I've never, I didn't see a tree people though. I, I saw mean, the a root king's person. a tree person, isn't he? I guess, but maybe he doesn't want any other tree people. Maybe. He's trying Anyways. to suppress the other tree populace lest they start an uprising. He's treesist. Fuck. Cut that nope. out. Don't worry. Yep. Nope. Cut that out. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it before I said it. I love it because you, you, you did treesist too, which is not like you didn't give an overarching phyla. It wasn't like, oh yeah, he's like speciest or he's organist or anything it's just <laughs> tree cyst 
You're not how people who hate black people are blackest? Come on. <laughs> He's plantist. <laughs> All right. Okay, anyway. so... Um, so the... Uh, th- this whole chapter is is very very long. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's 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 a wonderful, beautiful world of these very old storybook style uh, environments, and there are large rooted branched kingdoms and these uh, root people and these vegetable people, and um, the king. It gives you sort of a laundry list of things that you need to do. There's a great wizard. Um, you need to speak to him in winter. So you have to figure out how to make it winter to be on top of the mountain when it's winter. There's a library you need to get into. Mm-hmm. You this, need some stones to go home. Yeah, this, this is a very, like, this is the most traditional adventure game part of the game. And weirdly enough, I think it kind of the best designed puzzle one even though it's like the most traditional in the sense of like having a larger world where i think the other chapters were more contained into like one to two rooms um yeah and i I think they do a really good job of like stringing these puzzle pieces together so you can kind of be working on multiple things and then you know giving you good good riddles to kind of keep you drawn in and also it's just a fun environment to spend time in yeah, like there's a snail you play, play tic-tac-toe with to get money to like, there, there's a guy who just sells shit. There's just <laughs> a bug that just sells shit. And that's awesome. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we should talk about Fran not becoming a tree anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So, <laughs> so, so uh, on this laundry list is one of the most important uh, characters is uh, Polonus. Polantris. I forget there's a T in there. Uh, it was Polantris, who is like a furry flying axolotl, who is like one of the best design characters uh, in the game. Uh, but he takes you to this relaxing pool of this like light red uh, pink water that is, uh, it, it was the part of the blood of like a king of sorts. I forgot mm-hmm. the exact lore behind it, but it completely uh uh gives you limbs and you become like a little tree person but you look exactly like fran and then you go back and you're all healed up and uh you get a clock from a clock master who can uh who kind of explains to you in essence that this reality doesn't really perform like yours does with time and that it's layered and you can go to winter or go to fall so he takes you to a clock and he gives you a remote clock to change the season so there's the puzzle mechanic around here is not like toggling pills it is toggling seasons so you can make it winter and make it fall and different Mm -hmm. things happen there so you know the best example is you need a lemon so you need it to be summer when the lemons are harvested um stuff like that so um moving on to kind of wrap this chapter up you do a laundry list to get uh some some stones for a wizard and this wizard is just the best he is trying to figure out uh how he saw someone pull a rabbit out of a hat but if (laughs) a rabbit magic at all 
and the greatest magic of all and if the rabbit came from nothing where did it come from and like Mm -hmm. this great uh this great quandary that quote when he's talking about like if the rabbit came from nothing that implies the existence of nothing but what is nothing and where does nothing come it's so good it's so fucking good from this crazy wizard dude who's then like oh anyway i forgot where all the stones are that you need because i put a spell on myself so i wouldn't remember where they are go find this stuff (laughs) yeah he sends you on an amazing uh, amazing quest to get his stuff so he can remember you know i think what's what's nice about this is it starts to match friends like because before in the the earlier chapters she seemed very different from the rest of the characters in the way she you know handled and perceived things but i feel like she kind of belongs in this world like her thinking patterns sort of match this world and maybe that's why she's so comfortable at it but yeah anyways um so you do this task, this list of tasks, and you get your human body back, and um, you go back to the king. And y- as you're traveling throughout this whole chapter, you also see um, these creatures that are explained as Kamalas, Kamalas, right? Something I like think that. So. Yeah, that, sure. that are those dark shadow creatures that you saw in the asylum, and your existence here. Uh, it sort of leaves a breach open for Kamala's to be able to exist and like characters are very nice about it surprisingly or they're mm-hmm. like oh they're these horrible terrible creatures but you're so kind and nice it's okay that you're here even though you're you know b- opening up the possibility that they can also arrive here which I got some thoughts on of what that means and I really like it uh, mm-hmm. but we'll get to that later uh, so anyways you um you see those throughout and like you know, eventually, which is really nice, sometimes you're just double-clicking through out all of these scenes, trying to get to places fast, and then you'll just see some horrific imagery. And I think that is the most effective scare yeah. in the whole game. Uh, but anyways, you get back home, you go through a portal, and um, that's the end of Chapter 3, really. Yeah. All right. Holy chapter smokes. 3. That is a long-ass chapter. It is. The, it is definitely the longest chapter in the game. So what what made this work for you so much? Was it just the sort of uh, the 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 things we brought up as being like choice and great throughout the summary, or was there more you wanted to say about it? Yeah, uh, so a lot of it was definitely that, right? A lot of it was the the whole vibe of this place is just pleasant to be in. Um, you know, I like like you said, there's just like the characters are just funny there's just that bug that sells shit there's like a mountain <laughs> the top of the mountain is alive and when you talk to him you're like hey can i get that wizard hat off your head bro because the wizard needs it and he's like no it holds in the lava because my wife divorced me and she used to sit on my head and then you have to go make his wife happy so she'll come back like it's just it's hilarious um but also i think the uh puzzle mechanic here of shifting between the the four seasons at will and on any given screen is really much more engaging and and um importantly it it's the logic seems to flow a lot easier right like the the puzzle mechanic for the rest of the game is you taking this duo team which then makes you see a different world and the other you know it's very otherworldly and weird and and you know filled with horrific imagery but you can't really predict anything about that other world whereas when you're just you know cycling through the seasons it's really easy to go oh i think this would make more sense if it was fall rather than spring so i'm just going to go to spring or go to fall really quickly and oh yeah cool that makes a lot of sense so the puzzle seems to have a a much better flow to them um and then also like you said just the 
the occasional glimpse of horrific imagery um, hits a lot, a lot harder when you're in a place like this where you're really like, you know, it's a very comforting and warm place where everyone's really like happy and, and joyous and welcoming. Um, you know, the, I think that the specific scene, maybe the one that you were talking about, but the one that is the strongest for me was when you're just like walking by the tree that has the big clock on it and it suddenly becomes winter and Palantras, this big fuzzy, you know, axolotl who was like the greatest doctor in the land falls out of the sky right in front of you and crashes. And he's like clearly being eaten by these like horrific black shade monsters. And then he flies away and like, that was disturbing. Like, that was yeah. the first time in the game I was like, whoa, okay, I'm, like, completely taken aback by what I just saw because I was in such a, a state where the rest of the game was so comfortable. Uh, I think it, the what they were going for works really, really, really well in Chapter 3. Yeah, horror is definitely more horrifying when it's placed in the middle of beauty. Like, I mm -hmm. think that's such a such a great sentiment that they pushed in this chapter, and I love... I really love the way that this game, that this chapter starts to unfold a little bit more about Fran's person, like Fran as a person, because you start to maybe understand that, okay, if these dark creatures, and it's also explained to you that if these dark creatures are, you know, your sort of personal, um, uh, I don't want to say demons, but your your trauma, your your trauma represented mm -hmm. in, in a shade, and we're in this beautiful environment, and the shade keeps interrupting us in uncomfortable ways. Like it starts to say a little bit more than you know, uh, spooky um, asylum is more like this is your comfort zone, and this is a place where you're happy and comfortable and like having fun, and mm -hmm. this is here to ruin it. Um, and I love that. I don't want to say message, but the, no, but the that, way they, they play in there. Yeah, I, I think that the contrast between what is clearly like, you know, an escapist imagination world where everything is good and happy being invaded by these spirits that are, are like you had said, representative of, you know, a traumatic past definitely works significantly better than like you were saying, if it's just it's in an asylum and you kind of expect everything to be spooky anyway, because video game asylums are always spooky so that's just what you get normally um we should release a horror game next year that's called like asylum simulator and it's just a very like like yes the people have problems but it's a very well managed asylum everybody is like everybody there is clearly in it to help everybody else and it's they just get sort better of like, yeah you know oh god what a fresh what a breath of fresh air that would be so amazing <laughs> <laughs> um yeah um do we want to put a wrap on chapter three for now? Yeah, I think we can we can probably put a wrap on chapter three. I don't have anything else super, you know, intelligent to say about it. I will say that it it was just it was so much fun. Like I I think the puzzles in chapter three were the puzzles at their peak. You know, this is a long chapter. I think I looked at a guide twice and both times were just because I didn't see a thing that I should have clicked on. Um but I was never frustrated. Yeah, let's move on to uh move on to chapter four. That's you, buddy. <coughs> Sorry. So you would no, 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 no. Stop the podcast. <laughs> stop it. What the fuck was that? It was a, it was a little cough. It was a little cough, you know. How deep are we in this? An hour, hour and eight and minutes. Six. Just we can just cut it. 
we can just start over. You ruined the flow. We'll yeah, I think that's true. I think I ruined the flow. It wasn't the cat coming into your room or anything like that and making <laughs> us literally stop recording. It wasn't when you almost knocked your mic over or anything. It was when I turned to cough. For it. it wasn't when you brought up a bad joke and we said, let's cut that. Or when you brought up a topic you didn't want to talk about yet and we said, let's cut that. It was when I coughed. <laughs> Fuck me, I guess. Play play all those moments at once. <laughs> <laughs> Layer them on top of each other. All right. So, chapter four. Uh, after Fran leaves the kingdom, she finds herself again in the, the forest, um, kind of across the bridge where she had initially fell from. Um, and she, you know, is kind of following a, a can on the ground and ends up meeting a character who we had seen briefly before, um, like a, a skeleton wearing a suit and a top hat, who reveals himself to be Itward. Um, and he is actually there to, to help you and protect you and kind of, you know, keep you safe. Uh, and he wants to help you get back home, but he needs you to, to help him because he needs some assistance with his flying machine, which is, again, this is great. Um, so you, you help him get like a little bit of essential materials, get some water, get some berries that can be used as, um, you know fuel for this flying machine and you get on there and he kind of like hops on this exercise bike attached to the front and is like ah well until we get the autopilot working i've got to pilot this ship and then just starts riding the exercise bike to get it to fly which is again so good i love edward edward's my favorite character by a wide margin um you so you kind of go around and do some some tasks on this ship you you know help get the the fuel situation sorted you help kind of clean up some things um you kind of like load some water into where the water needs to be loaded into and then um you know it were takes you into you know it's like hey come help me out with this bunny this bunny seems really scary and i don't know what to do with it and there's just like a stuffed bunny on the wall and as you walk towards that bunny to figure out it takes your cat mr midnight and like runs out the door and locks you into the door uh, and then you kind of have to do a series of puzzles to escape the room that you're in um, where it is then revealed when you escape that room that the reason he locked you in there is because he was planning a birthday party for you because it's your birthday and you just turned 11. Um, so like him and your cat and a bunch of stuffed animals are all sitting around a cake uh, and it's a very nice and wholesome scene. Um, and as you are all sitting around that cake, you uh, discover that you are about to be attacked by these Kamalas, Kamalas, Kamalas? One of them is what they're actually called. One of them is the vice presidential candidate right now for Democrats. <laughs> so I really don't want to fuck that up. Yo, go vote! <laughs> go vote if you haven't yet. Yeah, this comes out before November 3rd. Um, so they begin attacking the ship. Um, and again, Itward runs off to, to pilot the ship and tells you to go fight them off because they are apparently you know killed or significantly harmed so they'll retreat if you get like water on them. So you kind of pilot a water cannon uh, and then, you know, do whatever you need to do to get them off uh, and then as you take care of all of that you meet back up with Itward who tells you that it's too late even though you successfully did what you were supposed to do the ship is still going down anyway and he kind of pulls you into an embrace and tells you he's going to keep you safe uh, and then the flying machine that you are on crashes um, right outside your old street where you and you know you and Mr. Midnight wake up but there's no sign of Itward or the flying machine anywhere. Um, was that the end of this chapter or did it go on? No, that was part one. Uh, but I do want to say a couple things about this. Yeah, man. There's some good, again, just like chapter three with the Kamals and the, um, uh, and the sort of pleasant scene of the, while you're helping, um, it word out during the, um, the, there's like chem a chemistry puzzle and all that kind of stuff. 
the horror imagery is like still there, but I think it's pretty subdued and it's not in all of the rooms. But as you get locked away in this sort of like, haha, this should be a fun surprise for you, maybe, I think that imagery gets worse and like there's more blood and mm. there's this horrible bunny creature and things like that. And yep. I think it speaks to Fran's sort of like, you know, possible anxiety about being left alone in a space, even though the intentions of the people around her are good and like trying to throw a fun birthday party that this situation brought her more trouble than good of like the surprise of the birthday party. And she even seems like not particularly pleased, but you know, does a Fran and just completely 180s anyways. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I really love that. And on that imagery, we should mention that there's been a couple of times throughout which we haven't necessarily um, identified, but a lot of the, you know, again, there's this, we keep describing it just as horrifying imagery because that's what a lot of it is. It's like, ah, blood and guts and, you know, people whose eyes are bleeding and whatnot. But also a lot of the imagery is much more personal to Fran, right? Like a lot of it is, you know, images of her parents dying again or talking to her and blaming her for their death or... You know, at the end of chapter three, you get an image of her, like, you know, essentially jumping off a cliff to to kill herself, right? You get, like, it is very personal imagery. And, and again, it's obviously all very personal because it's things like specifically gore and people, you know, being killed in horrific ways. And Fran's trauma comes from watching her parents be murdered. Um, so it's obviously all tied together in that but there are like specific scenes definitely do stick out and you do see her parents or at least her mom in a scene at some point here when you are you know taking the duo teen so that definitely hit a little bit harder than many of the other horror scenes later on also can i just say it felt really fucked doing chemistry as a 10 year old girl when she takes a ton of drugs <laughs> like like and, and 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 part of it was adding it was to make um uh, something that would help your vi like they you see a, a poster for like this like tur what's it called S not supervision uh ultra vision um, ultra vision and it's like all right i see how these pills are being perceived now like there's more <laughs> of that later but it definitely started to creak in really nicely at this point um yeah. should we keep talking about chapter four yeah i mean the second half of chapter four is super quick um yeah so the it's quite a lot of exposition yeah, it's basically just exposition. There's, like, one puzzle-solving bit. So the, the second half of Chapter 4, essentially, you crash. You go, um, you realize you are essentially on the street where your house is um, after the flying machine crashed. So you and Mr. Midnight walk up to your aunt's house and try to get inside, or, like, walk up to your house where your aunt is and try to get inside, but it's locked, and you can't seem to find the key. You find, like, where you thought the extra key was, you found a note from yourself saying you took it. Um, so you have Mr. Midnight go inside one of the open windows to try and open the door. And as Mr. Midnight is in there trying to open up the door, Dr. Dearn from the um, asylum pulls up and, you know, sees you. And, and essentially, you know, you try to tell him Mr. Midnight's in there. I'm going to get inside. But he you know takes you away and says, like, you, you know, we've been looking for you and worried about you and everything like that. Um, and then as you're driving away, he explains that according to the newspaper, you froze to death in the forest um, and that your family was you know, involved in some, you know, experiments. I, do that. Is this where they introduce that idea or is that later uh, on? Yeah, I believe they, they bring some of it up of just like, hey, um, yeah, I, I think they bring that your family was involved with a couple experiments or something with the asylum. 
Gotcha. He needs to like figure it out. Yes. Actually, and... I don't think they do. I think they just say there are some clues that I need to find. Yes. He he talks. I think you're right. I think he just talks kind of vaguely about trying to piece together what's going on at the asylum and his way to do that and this this they don't make totally clear but his way to do that is to go and dig up everyone's like everyone in the bose family's graves which okay that's a wild turn to introduce without me having any idea what he's doing but you go to the cemetery and see your parents graves and your grave and you know help him get a shovel and then dig up the graves and you see your mom and your dad and in the um grave where you were supposed to be you just find the skeleton of a cat uh and then when you know trying to leave and kind of talking about what's going on and fran convinces uh dr dearn to go back to his aunt's house your aunt's house so he, you know you can show him that mr midnight is there um renor shows up and kind of grabs dr dearn by the head and makes him disappear and then he grabs you by the head and you pass out uh, and wake up in chapter five yeah um this is a pretty good chapter <laughs> yeah i mean i, I think we just finish it up with five i was gonna say i don't have much to say about this chapter other than itward fucking rules i love itward so much <laughs> You're an Itward stand. I'm an stand. Itward stand. He's so good. I I don't know what it is about him. I think I genuinely and truly think it's just if you put a skeleton in a suit and a top hat, I will like that character no matter what you do with him. Um, if I, I feel like endearing, charming skeletons are sort of the internet's and uh, favorite thing. Pretty. I much. mean, you have Sans Undertale, but I feel like <laughs> there have been a lot of different skeletons in the past that have. Have brought. I mean, Jack Skellington. That's the Jack we were just Skellington? talking about yep. that. Mm-hmm. Wow, charming skeletons are kind of the thing. Charming skeletons huh. are great because they're completely divorced from any sort of, you know, feelings about the human body. Right? It's just here's a fun skeleton that can do whatever it wants, and I can completely suspend my disbelief about what it is as a person because it's a skeleton person. I don't know anything about them. Uh, it, it's great. Yeah. Skeletons and racism is what I'm trying to say. It's. <laughs> It's really good. Skeletons <laughs> see no color. <laughs> Except white. Wait, no. No! No! God damn it! I was trying to talk about those ivory bones. Oh, I, I know what you're trying to talk about. Um, okay, yeah, no, I mean, um, chapter four is good, but like we said, there's not, like, it. it's another one of the kind of, like, transitional, fun, fantastical chapters, uh, and they don't reveal as much as they do in chapter three. Great. Let's, uh, let's move on to five so we can talk about the story as a whole. Yep. Um, okay, so I might get a little lost here, just for the audience and Alex, because a lot of weird shit happens here. Yes. So you get back to the house. Um, you are chained up, and you see to your bed, and you see your aunt, and she is kind of like, you know, y you need to stay here, and, you know, don't, don't freak out. And uh, it, she's clearly... Uh, evil in this game's terms like an antagonist as well mm -hmm. at this point um so you have a vision when you're looking around at stuff of a younger version of you uh when you kind of remember what um what the uh what you learned at the plant kingdom of like layered realities and timelines and stuff like that. So you meet your younger self and your younger self get gets a key to unlock you from the chain of the bed. Uh, from there, uh, there's a really good 
Easter egg or like kind of funny moment where you're looking in your closet and you see a picture of you and another little girl and you're like, this is Alice from school. She's my friend. We talk sometimes and play together. And I'm like, very cute. Also, one of the outfits in there is absolutely the dress that Alice wears in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, I love that little nod. That that gave me a good laugh. That gave me a good laugh. Um, So you discover how to leave. There is a series of puzzles where very escape room vibes in the, in this one specifically, um, which is fun. Um, There's like a key hidden underneath a wallpaper of a dollhouse, a lot of cool things. So you uh, get out of the room and there are a series of five rooms. And this is like, maximum broken reality you don't have your pills anymore so it's very unclear as to you know what are you on really at this point uh so you go into these different rooms again solving puzzles throughout um i got some big uh um what was that the last point and click adventure game we played i have no mouth and i'm a scream from this this Mm. chapter there's some big like you know sort of broken staircase like aliens in bizarre places ass kind of similar to the the uh the the last chapter of that but anyways um so you need to make this machine that wakes this creature named mabuka up now mabuka is the mother to um um sorry what's that character yeah uh renner remmer Remmer. yeah remmer i think yeah is the mother to remmer and she is like the sort of the queen of darkness and wants is the driving force behind suffering. It seems like, so you need to wake her up because you need to proceed. I'm not a hundred percent clear. You, I mean, it's still, you got to find your cat and all that, right? Cause you've been separated yes. from your cat. Yes. That, that was the main driving. Point That's basically five. the driving force for everything is either get your cat or get home. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you wake her up and you have a discussion with her about uh drummer and like, you know, her hunting you and, and or him hunting you and everything like that. And she lets you inside of her, like inside of her heart or the, the core of her being. And it's sort of just this hospital waiting room where mm-hmm. you have to do a puzzle where you get, <laughs> got to get the number two and the next waiting line. And I love this moment because it's this really tense, you know, sort of um, you're going to figure out the truth behind this drug and your family and who killed your parents maybe. And you have to, you have to go when your number is called to the front desk and they go, oh, no, no, no. You need an appointment to see the doctor. And you go, well, I'm here. And they go, no, go back. Call the emergency line. Make So you have to go back, make a phone call, and then you have an appointment. Specifically, she says, why can't I just make an appointment with you right here? And, because, and the nurse responds, with, well, because I'll be waiting by the phone for you to make an appointment. <laughs> it's so good. So good. It has to just be some basted, like, some mediocre call that she heard at some point between her parents. I love it. Um, uh, So you finally get into this main room where a lot of characters are here and revealed. Uh, So you um, uh, see the Dr. Um, Oswald. Yes, Dr. Oswald, who is is this... um, older man in a wheelchair and he is the one behind the uh asylum like the main asylum you see his his portrait in a couple places Mm -hmm. and he goes on about you know how your family was sort of a set of experiments with duotine and nothing extremely specific but very like you have been set up to be here and this is sort of your like 
destiny to be here in this moment and you are a part of this ex larger experiment and that you know it's time to examine the patient sort of vibes um past that your aunt takes away mr midnight and says we need to get rid of the traitor and um throws mr midnight off of a cliff and at that point fran is absolutely livid and she somehow tackles her aunt to the ground and starts strangling her mm -hmm. um and then the uh, dr oswald wheels in and shoots fran <laughs> which is just like at this point i i I full uh, I don't know why I'd have to full disclosure this, but I was playing this with uh with someone else, and as we were watching it, I was like, "Are you are you seeing this? <laughs> like, are you here?" Because <laughs> it was just complete silence on the other end, and um, yeah. So he shoots Fran, and as they're sort of like about to like push her off or finish the job, the uh <laughs> the axolotl and uh your your friend um. Oh my god, I'm sorry. Itward. Itward, thank you. Uh, come crashing in and push them off the ledge. And they've got the cat. And it's all this beautiful, heroic uh, scene. I, and it's I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta clarify. Itward falls from the sky and 100% force pushes both your aunt and Dr. Oswald away into their death. There's no contact. He's got the force. He's got the force. And um, it's important to also mention that Dr. Dern was there um yeah. and you inject him with some red stuff which is uh, you know ostensibly duotine right right and he like comes to see it word and um the, the the axolotl i'm losing uh the mm -hmm. name of and and his eyes just sort of start bleeding and he passes out or no he doesn't really even pass out he, he just, just sort stands of goes there catatonic yeah yeah and it's i found that point like i didn't find the eye bleeding disturbing but i found the fact that witnessing because he clearly like sees them and is like oh my god so all of these things you've been talking about are real <clears throat> like just mm. dead it is it is at his feet that that was a that was a pretty horrible uh, uh moment but anyways so fran flies off with with her friends and we get this last quote as it's sort of like the sky and you know i i believe they're they're probably going to um um Ethersta, the, the Ethersta. yeah and and she says i still don't know much but one thing i do know is that between guilt and fear i choose happiness and then the credits roll if you had trouble following that don't worry don't blame you're yeah. not alone <laughs> don't worry welcome to the fran chapter five support group <laughs> It's okay. Uh, let's, before we talk about what the fuck happened in Chapter 5 and what the fuck happened in all of Franbo, how did you feel about Chapter 5 just as a chapter? Like, playing it specifically. I'm going to say I'm heavily biased. Let me set a scene for you. Okay. It's about 1.30 a.m. Oh, God! <laughs> the scene's already set. It's good. I get it. And I'm playing it a point-and-click adventure game. You get the rest. Um, I, I don't know. I actually kind of enjoyed playing it very late because it was like, okay, I got to figure this out. It actually kind of ramped the tension up. I didn't love the puzzles, but they were fine. I think the one where you have to figure out the guy's illness to give him the number. So you have to go back to the eye that knows everything was kind of bullshit. Um, yeah, I, I 
that was one that was the only one i looked up in chapter five was like what the fuck am i supposed to do with any of this Um, but the rest were fine i i don't know nothing in this these spaces wowed me i love the alien in the bathtub with his heart exposed Mm -hmm. i didn't love it but it was cool i liked it i liked it because you have to get the bar of soap and he keeps asking if you have hygiene problems yeah that, that was great i i think i think it was at its maximum like um hmm at its maximum bizarreness and very like surreal imagery very salvador dali which i liked some of yeah. that stuff but uh, i was just at that point i just wanted to get there you know? to clarify for for people who haven't played it when duncan says like you leave your room and there's five doors it's not like you leave your room and you're in a hallway you leave your room and you're in like a deconstructed reality where these doors are on the floors in the ceiling and floating and there's a giant eye looking through a crack in the wall at you like it's maximum weird deconstructed reality like you had said but i i I think i really liked the puzzles in chapter five um not as much as i did in chapter three but i think the thing that i liked about them is it felt like there were a lot of them but they were all like every door that you went into was such a small space it was like one or two screens maximum that it was really easy to traverse from everything and kind of like try a lot of stuff out without any sort of like dead time in between while you're moving from place to place um so i i think i ended up enjoying the puzzle solving aspect in in chapter five a lot uh yeah i i i also love the uh the like setting for mabuka the the like queen of darkness Mm -hmm. she's just sort of in a gross like fleshy area and again not like horrifying but it's just very disturbing cool imagery where it's like gross to the point of kind of being beautiful in a weird way and i think this game plays a lot with that of like so dark or so disturbing that it's kind of beautiful in a weird way which is interesting because there's these like horrifying creatures all around and you're in this giant flesh sack but the actual mabuka that you're talking to on the wall is essentially just a drama mask like a white drama mask Mm -hmm. um so it's like a really huge contrast between what is supposed to be like the queen of darkness and the actual things that you're seeing throughout uh throughout the world we didn't we also kind of nice (laughs) we also didn't mention that at when you initially go like you go through the waiting room you do run into remmer again and he shows you like a vision of you killing your parents that's important. That's important. We should have mentioned that. <laughs> well, the Steam guide I was using as a reminder doesn't mention that kind of stuff. So. And hey, you know what? I used that same Steam guide when playing it, so I get it's a good guide. It's a good it guide. is a very good guide. Um, yeah, that that's an important part. Yes. Um, so let's. Uh, we, well, have, should we transition to questions? Let's transition to questions. I think we've said about. I I, I think I've said every iteration of I liked the puzzles in this area is that I could possibly could. Um. <laughs> And as much as I would love to just spend another 45 minutes talking about Itward and Palantris and how great they are, I think we should maybe talk about questions instead. I mean, we can talk about those in the questions. What made Palantris so great? Easy, easy, easy question. Uh, it's a cool right. axolotl. It's fuzzy. Yeah, that's pretty much it. He's also a doctor. <laughs> it's about all it takes. He's the greatest doctor. Um, At the end there, we were kind of talking about antagonists. And this was something that I'm really like, I don't know, I'm... I'm I'm very curious about how you feel about this. Um, so there is the the Camillas, which are the dark creatures that are associated with trauma. There's mm-hmm. Remmer, who is your personal one. Um, it seems like also that, the that prince wants of to darkness. haunt you. Yes, also the Prince of Darkness. There's Doc's, Dr. Oswald and your aunt and maybe your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the beginning of the game, kind of set up Dr. Dern, but not by the end as much. 
Yeah, he was sort of the red herring, like actually good guy kind mm-hmm. of thing uh, to your perception. What? How did and you p- feel? Potentially Mr. Midnight. They call him a traitor the whole time. Yeah, very interesting, that one as well. How did you feel about having... I, I feel like I haven't played a game in a while with so many possible and confirmed antagonists. Mm-hmm. Like, Also, everyone kind of maybe felt like they were an antagonist. Like, I didn't know if Itward was going to be not cool by the end there. Um, how did you feel about the relationship between these and like uh, the design around them with the story? It, it's interesting, right? I, and I think it, it does change based on which antagonist we're talking about, right? Because if we're talking about Remmer, who's been there the whole time, uh, I, I think I really liked his design. I liked his integration into the story, even if... Uh, generally, I will say up front, you know, I, I think the ending to this game left me wanting a little bit. I think parts of it worked for me really well, and parts of it felt like you just... They left some things untied that should have been tied up. Um, wanting what, specifically? Like, an answer to some things? Because I think even, that could be misconstrued. Yeah. So, I, I, did, I just wanted a little bit more, maybe, information. Like, I didn't necessarily want them to give me an answer, but I felt like they introduced a lot of questions at the very end of the game, gave you no context to, like, put those, context, put those uh, like, questions in context, and then like nope down for the rest of the game um well so, they explained it pretty well actually i disagree but so I there think... are five realities alex <laughs> so the first one the, in context of the game to give you guys context there are actually five yes, realities this, that Duncan they talk is not about making this up. constantly um no i totally agree with you with what you're saying not totally but but, but, yeah. but mostly um but in terms of the actual antagonist i i liked the way a lot of them fit in i i didn't even mind your aunt being like an antagonist that was introduced late i think dr oswald being like the uh what's the word pulling I'm like, all the, the strings the yeah like the master. architect of this whole thing i think that sucks i just hate I when they introduce somebody in literally the last two minutes and it's like aha this was the real bad guy the whole time anyway see ya um which I think it does bring up an interesting, you know, th- the way that I framed that is even unfair because they, they do bring that up, but there's no, the game doesn't necessarily come down one way or another on whether or not what's happening is real. Uh, so Dr. Oswald being introduced and being the architect of everything might not actually be a thing that happened, right? Like that could very well just be the, the way that, you know, Fran is experiencing and compartmentalizing this whole thing. Um, right. And because you see his picture so often through the, at the asylum, it's very easy that she could have captured that man's mm-hmm. face and been like, that's the reason I'm here. Yes. And she could associate that with, you know, the great evil that is, is upon her or whatever. Um, I, don't, I don't know. How do you do? You, I mean, you asked the question. I'm assuming you have some sort of thoughts about it. Yeah, I, I was engaged with the multiple antagonists and I just kind of liked that. As you were going through, there's a lot of questions of, like, who am I really against? And I, I think I, what I really wanted to maybe bait out of you in here, if, if you felt the same way without me bringing it up, was Dr. Oswald of being, like, yeah. you know, the prime suspect and things. And as he sort of came into the scene, I, I felt a little like, oh, okay. All yeah. right. But I, I think after, you know, reflecting... I think this scene is that scene with the end reveal is less about, you know, the big reveal that I was the puppet master the whole time and more just like layering on the insanity that is this last like scene of 
you know, your aunt is here and the, the, your psychiatrist initially and the owner of the asylum and your aunt Mm -hmm. and your imaginary friends. Like, yeah, it, it, I think it works for that as I stepped away from it. Um, and I wanted to see how you felt about it, but. So I want to take even a step further back at at larger, larger things, which, you know, maybe we could talk about this at the very end, but I think it's, it's interesting and kind of informs the conversation here. Um, a, a couple of questions, like, one, did Fran die at this game, at the end, or at any point during this game, uh, and, like, your interpretation of it? And two, like, where do you land on what's actually going on in this game? Because I, I think you could splice it up into, like, there's there's some degree of evidence for, like, five different versions of what could be happening in this game. The theory game is strong here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if, if, <laughs> if this, we, we could probably go on for quite a while of like what may have happened. Um, yeah. I don't think, I don't know. I, I, a lot I go of back and symbolism forth. and metaphor, like obviously, but I go back and forth on a lot of things, but this is the, the, the core that I tend to believe. I believe that the, uh, she got through the asylum. She was taking these pills that were, sort of assisting in her rapid hallucinations i think that uh, you know because you're toggling between the pills which is like mechanically seeing and not seeing a world but if we think about how pills work like that's not how pill works yeah you're not supposed to just take a pill every 18 steps to see if you see something different this time and then also you can't untake the pill yeah, exactly. You can't untake a pill. So, I mean, by the end, she is there. They make a point to be like, oh, I'm out of pills. Yeah. So she's taking all these pills. And I think as she takes them, you know, the, the, the stories are getting wilder. She's getting lost and lost in more of, of these things. And I think by chapter two or three, uh, I lean in between she died here and chapter three through five are her dying like thoughts or like she's gone into a vegetative state as all of the vegetables uh it it kind Mm -hmm. of like she literally turned into a tree which isn't a vegetable but like you know i i think they wanted to be less straightforward with that possibly explicitly say she turned into a tree because she had the will to keep living but her body died yeah yeah i i I think I, i i think that's pretty clear that it's very possible she died but i think i kind of like the idea and i i play around more in the space that that she hallucinated this and was able to wake up from it and find her way to her home street. Because I think the scene where she is at home and driving with uh, the doctor is so grounded and like, Mm -hmm. here are the newspaper clippings. And it's very adult. It's very adult in that conversation. Not like, you know, explicit, but it's, it's not a child, a, a scene a child would imagine. Yeah, it's not the dreamlike wonders of the flying machine or the world filled with plant people or anything like that. It is, like you said, it's very grounded. Yeah, so, and I think maybe when you start to dig the corpses up of your parents, it's less grounded, but I I don't know. I think, I like to believe chapter five is is the, um, um, what's the doctor's name again? I'm sorry. Oswald I, or Dern? Oswald. Dern, yes, Dr. Dern. I think from the end of chapter four into five, Dr. Dern was unsuccessful in like helping you and getting you away and realized like, oh no, everyone is in on this one. And I think 
he dies and then they force you to take the duotine again and you like through the duotine you see your problems and your like issues but i think through that experience she like fights past the horrific imagery that she's seen and chooses to continue to like take these drugs and be part of this world but only be part of the good part of the world even though you know the she can be exposed to such awful trauma and like you know imagery mm. i i i i usually play somewhere in that space when i tend to think about it yeah i think that's, that makes sense yeah I, I i think so it's it's so hard to tell because like like you had mentioned there's so many different things to kind of lead you one direction or another um mm-hmm. and then it gets so grounded for like a hot minute and then it stops being grounded again immediately um so I don't know. I do think one of the things that I kind of come back to that I think was really interesting is if you want to take the the game a little bit more at at face value, um, the when you're talking to the plant people and there's one of the like one of the big things that you take away from the king is the idea that like as long as you still have love in your life, you're not dead, and yep. like you only die when you lose love in your life. Um, and I think it's interesting that the only point in the game where we are shown Fran actually dying is when she is shot by Dr. Oswald, which happens moments after the only thing that she still loves in the world, which is her cat, is thrown off of a cliff, uh, presumably yeah. dead. I think it's really interesting that that, like, hey, love is officially out of her life because everybody else has either betrayed her or she doesn't trust. And now she is immediately, like, within 15 seconds of that happening, she's killed. Um, and then is only brought back to life by, you know, these magical friends that she ostensibly has. Uh, I think they're they're definitely doing something there that is is pretty interesting. Um, Before we go too far, I really, I thought that was because I I felt that the integration of Mister Midnight was sort of clumsy at the beginning, where I'm like, well, I want this cat, but by the end of chapter five, it's you know. The cat does not reveal anything. He's not really a traitor to Fran. Maybe he is, but, you know, it's not actually revealed to us. And it it, it felt strange by the end of that. But when I, like, reflected about the the message and Thursda and the love and everything like that, it really took me back as, like, something I kind of took as a, you know, weird throwaway message really, really connected with Fran's story. And mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, like, as a person, how you feel about that message of saying, like, once you have no love in the world, you are are essentially like dead or cease to exist mm-hmm. in a way. That's um, it's pretty deep. That's pretty <laughs> fucking heavy, man. That's fucking eight o'clock on a Tuesday night. I'm not trying to be here right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's uh, I I think it's a powerful message, and I think I I think there is something there, right? Like I, I think obviously in the game, you know, they talk more literally than like everything is a metaphor or some sort of a, an, an analogy. Right. So I think the idea that you like are physically dead is obviously not true, but I do think that there's, you know, there's merit to the idea that, Hey, if you have no, no love for anything or from anything in your life, like you will feel dead, like inside you will feel dead. You will feel like the world is dead to you and you are dead to the world. Like, I think there, there is a lot of merit to that idea. Uh, merits maybe the yeah. the wrong word. I I think there is some weight to that idea. Um, you know, I I caution to go too deep into there because that's not a a headspace that I've really been in. Um, I you know I have not struggled with the the mental illnesses uh, or traumas that would lead somebody to to 
be in that headspace. So I don't want to speculate too much on it, but I, I have to imagine that that is kind of what they're trying to say there. And I, I, you know, it didn't strike me as untrue or anything like that when I was, you know, interacting yeah. with it in the game. No, I, I don't think of it as untrue either, but I think it's, it's fascinating because, uh, uh we've played a lot of fucking games on this podcast mm-hmm. that tackle mental health issues or, um, things that want to say, uh, deeper, uh, answers about certain questions. But I think this was the first time I've really heard this one in a way. And, you know, again, this is just from my gameplay experience and my memory, Yeah. but I, I kind of, I kind of loved this one because I thought it was sort of divisive where I went down a rabbit hole of like, well, then what is their version of love and what are they trying to say with that? And being like, well, you know, if you don't love anyone, you can still love yourself. And then like, where do you get love from? And then what is that love? And I think that opens a really nice um, hole for you to start digging down and like really reflect on your own self and like where you get that from and, you know, what keeps you going in your day to day? Because, you know, if there was nothing, what, who would you be? You know, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's, that's a really unique way to present that information. Uh, but anyways, we're talking about what's actually happening in this game. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to not lose that moment. No, I, I, really I think that's that. a, a, a well said and an important thing to talk about uh, because I do think that is a lot of the core of of maybe a lot of what this game is doing and, and the ideas that it's playing around with are are contained therein. So it's it's very important to talk about, especially because I think we forgot to mention that that was brought up in the chapter summary. So, you know, whatever. Um in terms of what it's actually happening, I honestly don't. I honestly haven't come down one way or the other. Um, I yeah. I think it's the game is obviously more you know interesting if I take it all at face value. Um, but I think you like really either this is, and I think it's probably some combination of the sort of like escapism that Fran has like created this world in her mind to escape from this trauma too. And it's, you know, all metaphorical about this trauma, like starting to, you know, encroach on her reality, even though she is going through this, like trying to use these escapist tools to, to stop it from doing so. Um, and kind of, uh, talking about the, the way that, you know, not addressing these traumas because that's also like a pertinent point at the beginning as Fran is unwilling to talk with Dr. Dern about these traumas. She is going to keep them to herself. She won't discuss that night or what happened or anything like that. Um, and the, the, you know, medication is not enough to, to stop that from overtaking her life. Um, and then I do think there's also like interesting readings of it of, Hey, this is, you know, analogous to, you know, Dr. Mengele type Nazi experiments that people used to do, uh, before, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, Nazis were exclusively terrible people, but before there was like a board of ethics, you even saw these types of um, horribly unethical experiments in, you know, other places throughout the world. So I do think there's like some kind of analogy space you could play in there that is is interesting, but I don't think it's as um, well fleshed out as everything else. I definitely do think Fran is dead by the end of this game, though. I just don't necessarily know where I land on when, when she how. dies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think the representation. Uh, hmm. See, I, I, I tend to play more in that she's not dead, but she is in such a possibly drugged out state that she is no longer in the reality we would consider like living. Like, 
she may exist, but she doesn't exist in a traditional sense of like mm-hmm. what we understand it as. Also, um, so I think she's still like she has a consciousness of some sort. Uh, just question for you because maybe I just maybe this was laid out clearly by the game and I just didn't understand it, or maybe it's something that is again left to be a little ambiguous. Is it ever clear who murdered Fran's parents? Was it Fran or was it the aunt or was it a third party? Well, there's there's two. I think there's two major um, there's two major ones. It's either the aunt or Fran. I think yeah. those are your two possibilities because. The doctor says that, like, you did a good job, like, the aunt did a nice swift job, which, you know, we could, again, interpret that as Fran placing blame or, you know, putting this 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 guilt or these this trauma on her aunt and, like, moving on. Um, but it could also be that, you know, she actually or, or, you know, the aunt actually did it. So I think I lean more towards I think I lean more towards her actually doing it. But the reason why I believe is influenced by her aunt and like the 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 sort of like experiments they may or may not have been doing, mm. um, because I just I don't know. It just doesn't really satisfy me as like a story to say like the aunt snuck in at night and killed them and then blamed it on Fran. I I guess that works, but it just so seems the thing that that I keep coming back to is you know. Even in like the the re, like the realistically grounded or the fantastical world, Fran is never treated as if she killed her parents. That's she is true. treated as a child who witnessed horrible family violence. Right? She didn't. You know, the it wasn't really blamed on her. It was more like yeah. It, you know, she wasn't alive to tell the story, or she wasn't around to tell the story. Yeah, but they just then kept her drugged up. But and all of the all of the clues that we get that Fran could have been the the one to kill her parents are via these, like, you know, Fran's memories or the Kamala's or the, you know, the duotine reality versions of her parents talking to her. And they are much more explicit in saying, like, hey, you know, here is a vision of you killing me or here is, you know, like, you. I think one of them said something about her being the one that was holding the knife. Um but again, we get none of that in the more grounded reality portions of it. So I don't know. And I think a lot of that circles around me just not understanding the place in the story that this aunt character has. Um, aunt yeah, Grace. It's, 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 it's tough to tell. I, I'm, I'm wondering what the creators wanted to do if they wanted you to, to leave it ambiguous so you could draw it yourself, which is probably the truth. Or oh, yeah. like, you know, it's another situation where it's like, oh, did you not? Okay, never mind. You didn't see that. Um, but uh, I, I don't think they give. I wish there was a. Li- I agree with you that I wish there's a little bit more when you're talking about the ending information to maybe ask some more questions about the odd character. Yeah, um, I don't want them. I am a huge proponent for ambiguous endings that force you to think about it and draw your own conclusion. I just wanted a little bit more to work with to draw my own conclusion there because I feel like I it's not that I wanted an answer but I wanted to be able to support different answers more and I'm left in a spot where I don't have an answer to move towards like I'm I'm not trying to decide between three different things I'm just not fully understanding how these three things would fit together sure I I yeah, that's good. I I think we could go, we could dig ourselves yeah. very deep in this hole, and I I want to take a a quick aside to like stay in that area, but also talk about some other things I wanted to bring yeah, up. Is for sure. I love. We've talked about this universe, but 
I love the things you learn about some of these people and these creatures and the way the the world works. Um, mm-hmm. I think the layered realities are like it's fun because it's ridiculous and sort of silly, but there is something beautiful about the Kamalas, uh, which are the again the dark nightmare creatures. Um, throughout the game, you pour water on them to mm-hmm. uh, to to be rid them. Uh, but it, you learn if you like read the journal or like read into some specific things um, that by pouring water on them you wash away their filth and then when they emerge from you know that that water they become this like white cosmic like glowing creature uh that is like representative of the light and these creatures are very peaceful and quiet and you run into a couple of them and they are said to like live a thousand years and sort of like be a part of 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 others' life experiences, and I oh, think they live way more than a thousand years, don't they? Oh, yeah, they like I, reach th- adulthood at a thousand years. Uh, yeah, because I thought they like got their signature mask when they turned like two hundred and ninety nine hundred thousand. Okay, I I may have missed some numbers there, but yeah, they, there's there's something I don't know. I, I and I circle around a lot about what that's like, because there's the obvious thing of is saying like once you're able to, I don't know, I, I feel. I feel like I might be wrong saying this, but like once you're able to pass through that trauma and, you know, let it torture you less or find a way to cope with it, um, it can turn into something else. And what that something else is, I'm sort of unclear of, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of ways that you can apply that to your own mind and your own life that cause interesting thought. Yeah. I mean, I I think that, you're onto something there. And I think that they're, you know, I, I, I would maybe personally read it even a little less um, distinct than that. And just the idea that like this trauma doesn't have to own every aspect of your life. And when it can be washed away, you are still there underneath, you know, despite it, despite everything, it's still you, that sort of, that sort of vibe. Um What's that from? I don't know, man. Some weird game that we played for the podcast a while ago. Can't even remember the name of it. Um, I think it had a skeleton in it, too. Yeah, I, I think know. that one also. You know, all good games have a skeleton in them. Uh, That's true. <laughs> I, I do think that there's there's something there, something that I didn't necessarily pick up on. Um, but now that you're saying it, makes a lot of sense. And I think... Um, I think that's really good. Yeah, it's just... like The, bigger, that- the bigger point I wanted to make was, like you will find charming things in this world that we, you will carry with you possibly of like, Oh wow. That's, that's kind of cool. And it'll just be like a quick mention. I think the world building is phenomenal. Yeah. That's kind of what I wanted to say. For sure. Do we want to talk about Fran's personality a little bit and who Fran is and the way that she kind of, um, yeah, that should probably be our last thing. Yeah. The way she takes things in and reacts to things. I know you had talked about wanting to, to, to mention this earlier, but why don't you tell me a little bit about like how, how you interpreted that and how you felt about Fran and the way that she reacts and responds and, and kind of talks to things. Duncan? Boo! Did <laughs> 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 I get you? The fuck? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> we're gonna leave all that silence in that's unfair Perfect. you got my heart rate going up because i was like we're so close to the end did he unplug his fucking mic or something <laughs> um yeah so <laughs> Fran's personality i 
I go back and forth on it, of course, because of like the earlier chapters, but I think by chapter three and chapter four and five, it's, I think she, and, and again, I, I, it's important to mention, not again, because this is the first time I'm mentioning it. It's important to mention that this is, uh, from creator interviews, this is a very, it seems like a very personal story. And Mm -hmm. one of the, you know, I think core writers on it was, was mentioned that, Hey, like, you know, a lot of these are representative of some of the traumas I witnessed or experienced and, and things like that. And I, I think a lot of what this, what her personality has to say about is the people she seems to communicate better with are the people that are closer to this, uh, other reality, these like other realities and these imaginary friends. And that's where she finds and makes friends with people. And it begs the question whether, is she like this and is, does she experience this because she was never given a chance with others? And I mean, even it was, it was a cute Easter egg. You see that she's, you know, she had a friend and if it's Alice and you know, that context, like that's another person who, you know, maybe thinks about people and things very differently. And um, the core idea I was sort of trying to wrap around was, is like, you know, I I think Fran is very, by the beginning, I'm like, this is just weird, awkward writing. But by the end, I came around to it of like, she has a very hard time, like socializing with, with other people and like, you know, in having these conversations and she's kind of, eh, I don't want to say random, but like very, what are you talking about? Like, you know, she, there, there's a point where someone's like ah yes tell me about your journey and you're like well i escaped from an asylum met a large ant <laughs> killed a pig beetle uh walked through a well and like you know uh, and and that could just be her you know for taking that as her imagination uh, she has no issue like describing her imagination as reality mm-hmm. um and i would assume that is true throughout her childhood too and you know like before 10 and, and i think you know, whether you think that was because of a duotine thing or just that's how she is. I think duotine is a, unfortunately a large part of the reason she, why she is how she is. And, um, I don't know exactly what that says about, you know, her character, but I, I grew to actually love and be charmed by the way that she talked and, and took things at, at, at face value or like, you know, a very childlike wonderment. Um, but I, I ended up liking that, but it was tough in the beginning. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a lot of what you said. There's really interesting. I would say, you know, you mentioned her not necessarily like ha- having good socialization skills or not having been able to become close to somebody when she's younger. I don't know that I agree with that necessarily. Um, because I think she's described as having like a happy life with her parents before they get brutally murdered. Um, sure. So I, I think it's more that just like the, trauma has started to control her life to the extent that she is no longer able to actively socialize with people um but i do i i do agree that at first i thought it was just kind of maybe bad writing uh and then the more that again she she starts to engage with this world uh, like you said like kind of childlike wonder but also a subdued reaction to pretty much everything right she is very matter of fact about it uh, and i think that the the way that she interacts with the world is kind of an interesting um an interesting way to experience everything like that it's an interesting way for 
the player to experience everything like that, to not have, like, you are having this, like, wild reaction to everything that's going on because everything on screen is either, like, horrific or completely and utterly fantastical, and she's just sort of along for the ride um, with no sort of strong reaction. Again, uh, the good touchstone, very, very Alice in Wonderland, right? Very like, oh, well, I'm just trying to do this, but you're a nice, cool pig beetle, haha, or whatever, you know? It, it, I, I think that's all kind of interesting. Um, even the bad things, even the, like, horrible, you know, monstrosities, she has that same sort of reaction to, you know, that same sort of subdued, ooh, that's scary, ooh, ooh, I don't like that, or like, oh, you know, you know, sees, like somebody clearly dead and disfigured on the floor and like asking if they're okay, like that sort of thing. Um, but I yeah. think it's telling that the only time that she has emotional reactions to anything like that are when they are like very personal representations of what's going on. Again, they cease to be these kind of disconnected things. You know, the one time that she breaks down in tears is, you know, when she's seeing, I think, I think it's when she sees an image of like herself saying horrible things to herself and then like jumping off of a cliff. Um, yeah. Like, that is the only real emotional reaction we get from Fran outside of anger. Um, also, like, the art style, I think this is worth mentioning, the art style for Fran in the game is, like, you know, it's a little weird, but, it's like, the whole game has that weird sort of art style, so it's it, it fits in really well. But then when you do certain tasks, you will get, like, a one, like, frame big image that it, uh, frames the wrong word. You, you'll get, like, a still, like, a still image of Fran doing that task and the difference in the way that Fran is depicted in those still images versus in the actual game is kind of like, it's a little, it's not drastic, but it is a very stark difference. Um, and I don't know what a good way to describe it is other than like in the game, Fran looks completely at, you know, even with everything else, but in those stills, she looks like, genuinely and truly like deranged like it is a yeah. unsettling image every time it happens whether she's doing something horrifying or not it's like a very stark difference of oh that like that is not the look and way that a child <laughs> would move if they were totally chill with everything going on and completely mentally stable like there's something going on here and it it those were some of the more unsettling parts of the game for me, despite all the horrible imagery everywhere else. Yeah, it's it's kind of it. You, you bring up a really interesting point because they definitely hit you on a lot of layers. And I think that's one of the more subtle ones that really works, because I think you need to have the more in your face ones. So you feel because it, it's cool because we talked about like, oh, like you know, you need to be in this beautiful environment to experience that 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 horror and have it work for you. But you could also say that for being like, you need to experience generic horror mm -hmm. to find the like unique and very well-crafted horror in between the lines. Um, I think that's a really great point too. And by the way, there's one of those still images where she's g giving the rat the comb. I think that's the only image she looks fine in. <laughs> like, like, she's just brushing her rat's Yeah, head. that part um, rules, actually. That part's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I, I I really like this game. I, I, think, I think that this is not one that I'll take home to the, to the family and be like, look, this is the one. You should all play this. But it it's very much up my alley in its style. I, if you've listened to this podcast, you know, like 
charm is on my like highest scorecard. Like that's an important part for me. It's worth 60% of your grade. Um, and I just love it. I, I love a lot of the things that it brought up and a lot of the questions that it answered. And I think it was really fun to play with someone as, as well. Um, I think that benefited it a lot too. Um, and I, I mean, we've spoiled a lot for you and done a lot of the thinking for you, but it was a great game. Yeah, it's still definitely worth worth checking out, worth picking up. Um, I think they have another game out, which I have not played, so I can't, you know, um, vouch for that one. What's the name of the other game? We've mentioned it before the podcast. A uh, Little Miss Unfortunate or Miss Unfortunate? Something like I don't that. Know. Something um, Unfortunate. The, the Kill Kill Monday Games? Yes. Studios? Yeah. Games? So, I'll look up their Twitter right now just to double games. check. But... Uh, By the way, I didn't get to mention it earlier, but now that we're talking about them. Okay. Little Misfortune you, is the name of it. Misfortune is one word. You think you fucking thought of that season mechanic yourself, didn't you? You thought it was all yours. But look at Banjo-Kazooie on the N64, <laughs> the last level, you switch seasons to get jiggies. You got oh, got. Okay. I mean, yeah, okay, got, look got. at Legend of Zelda in the Four Seasons, all right? Like, it's not What's a brand that? new thing. What is that? What is that? <laughs> I've never heard of that. That's fake. That's fake game. Go vote again. Go vote. Please go vote. Um, Taking that parody. Uh, all right. What else? Do you have anything else to say? Uh, there this, was something else I wanted to say based off what you were talking about, but it's already completely escaped me, so I don't, I don't remember what it was. Ah, but things that escape you have to be somewhere, Alex. Why don't you just go get it? Ah, that's... Mm -hmm. Love it. Thanks. Thanks so much, Duncan. It's extremely helpful. Oh, I was going to say that you and I had, like... Yes. I, I am very curious because you and I had vastly different experiences because you were, like, playing it late at night with somebody, and I played it yeah. at, like, 11.30 in the morning by myself. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 I am curious... Um. I'm always very curious if I would feel differently because this feels like a game that you should be meeting halfway, right? Um, and I will never do that with horror games because I will not play a horror game at night by myself because I like sleeping. But um, I do feel like this this maybe would have been a better experience if I was playing at like, you know, 1.30 in the morning by myself or with somebody else or something like nah, that. Nah, I don't think so. You don't think I, so? I, no, I don't think maybe I'm wrong and maybe this this affected my enjoyment because I don't know the reality where yeah. I I play it at 11:30 That's but the fourth reality. I Yeah, that's the fourth reality. Um the one with all the fucking bees and roots <laughs> and vegetables. Uh <laughs> No, I I don't know. I don't think it affected me that much. I think playing with someone else probably made it less scary for me. Uh just But I I think someone in there. Not even necessarily like in terms of making it scary as much as it is in terms of just like ah, getting into an being... atmosphere. Yeah. I, I gotta say it, it probably supported it quite a yeah, bit, but, um, but Hey, you know yeah, what? You're right. But the game works perfectly fine. If you play it at 11 AM on a Sunday with the lights on. So there's that. Yeah. Well, I thank you all for coming on this Halloween journey with us. Probably the least scary Halloween game we've played, but I gotta we, say, it's we played. I have no mouth that I'm a scream for Halloween. Yeah, this game's probably well. I mean, that game was, there was you know a... very scary in how much of it I needed to use a guide for. <laughs> yeah, um, that that's true. I, I I think I don't think it's our least scary horror game that we played for Halloween, but it's uh it's probably one of my favorite ones. I I I love this quite a lot. So um. I, I implore you to play it. I implore you to check out our other Halloween's episodes because they Hallow 
Halloween episodes because after Halloween ends, those episodes won't be up anymore. So experience <laughs> them now. Real quick, go check out our episode on Soma, our episode on I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream, our episode on Doki Doki Literature Club, which was an honorary Halloween episode. I think that's all the Halloween and devotion. I think we may have done for Halloween. I don't remember if that's Halloween or not. Or I don't detention. think so, but it's one of scary. them was Halloween. I think. And yeah, detention. I think was. They were both good episodes, but devotions amazing. So, anyways, um, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, don't leave yet because we do have Michael's amazing, amazing plant facts, and this time I actually know what it's about, and it's about why leaves change color i'm gonna lobby so hard for him to record something different now just so you sound (laughs) (laughs) well you're gonna hear about why leaves change color because i don't know do you know alex uh i do but only because i'm friends with him and he's told me multiple times (laughs) fuck you (laughs) fuck you i don't remember it he'll say it and i'll know but hey check hey definitely do stick around for that if you haven't before because it's it's great you have to this is a magical spell and you have to (laughs) This feels bad. Yep. Okay, you don't have to do this. Follow our Twitter at thoughts at thoughts from P one. Uh, that's our Twitter. We post our episodes. Alex has been making some good tweets asking about book recommendations. It's dope. It's fire. Go go go. <laughs> hey, look. Um, I'm sorry. Sometimes we don't tweet for five or six days, and I'm like, I should really get a tweet out there. And I'm like, what no, do I want right. to tweet? I don't know. I'm looking for new things to read. I'll just use it as my personal <laughs> Twitter. Interact with us. Uh, our Gmail is thoughtsfromplayerrun at gmail.com. Send us uh, questions or game suggestions about uh, games we've played uh, or, or you know, give us some feedback. We also would – we are accepting donations in the form of iTunes reviews. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, leave those on there for us. Um, or, you know, hey, have- whatever podcast app you use, if it allows you to review, please review us. It helps out, and also it makes me feel so good. It makes me feel so good. It brings tingles down my spine. Um, anyways, without further ado, the unstampable Michael. Thanks, Alex and Duncan. Michael here with your plant fact of the day. It's that spooky time of year once more, and what could be scarier than death and decay being carried on chill winds? I'm talking, of course, about trees dropping their leaves. But why do leaves change color, and why do trees drop their leaves at all? The gradual change in leaf color is due to a process called senescence, where chlorophyll, the part of a leaf responsible for photosynthesis and a plant's green color, starts to degrade. This degrading process breaks down the insides of leaves to recycle nutrients and bring them back inside the plant for storage for the long winter ahead. What's left over in the dying leaves are pigments that normally help protect the leaf from intense sunlight. There are three main pigments responsible for fall colors. Xanthophyll, which gives us bright yellows, carotenoids for vibrant orange, and anthocyanins for the burning crimsons. That's your plant fact for the day. Thanks for listening. Tune into the next episode of Thoughts from Player One for more video game discussions and plant facts.